You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazing caribou studios. I was walking down the road and I saw a donkey. I only had three legs. He was a wonky donkey, wonky donkey, wonky donkey, yeah. I was walking down the road and I saw a donkey. How? I only had three legs and one eye. He was a winky wonky donkey, winky wonky donkey, winky wonky donkey. I was walking down the road and I saw a donkey How? I only had three legs and one eye and he liked to listen to country music Yeehaw! He was a honky-tonky-winky, wonky-donkey Honky-tonky-winky, wonky-donkey That amuses me Well, hello, and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name is Paul. I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I am also not an animal expert. Also. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've lost my place. Uh, We're talking about donkeys and mules today. Yes, we are. This was a request from Phil and Nick at the My Thing Can Beat Your Thing podcast. Hi, Phil and Nick. This was so much fun. Thank you. It really was. Love it. But first, listener email. As always, you can send in your questions and comments to varmintspodcast at gmail.com. And that is what Juan did. Juan sent me two emails, and he gave me permission to read excerpts of them on the air. And I will do that. But first, for a little context, I want to play what I said in the episode about hippos. So Pablo Escobar, you remember that name? Mm-hmm. He was a very notorious drug kingpin in Colombia. And he had kids, and at one time when he was alive, he was one of the wealthiest people in the world. So he did what a good, really rich dad would do for his kids. He gave them pretty much whatever they wanted, and what they wanted was a zoo. And he also opened the zoo up to the public, because Pablo Escobar actually took really good care of the community he lived in, even though all his money came from drugs and violence. And as long as you didn't interfere with his business, if you were a local, jobs were good, crime was good really low and things were okay, but that's kind of a different story. Okay, so that is what I said on the Hippos episode, so this is what Juan had to say. He said, I'm a fan of the podcast and generally really enjoy it, but when you talked about Pablo Escobar, however briefly, in the Hippos show, it really bothered me. I don't know where you get your info on drug kingpins, but that SOB didn't take care of the community. He placed bombs that killed many innocents, and his killers made life a living hell for a lot of people during the 80s and 90s, and I should know, since I lived in the city he lived in his whole life. 
That's the thing about him. He is often portrayed in a good light that he doesn't deserve, and sadly, there are a lot of series and movies that really won't help. Now, sure, he gave money to some people, but what he took from us as a country is a lot worse, and we still feel the impact of it in a sad culture that permeates a lot of our daily life in the way of political corruption, poor culture for our people, etc. So I believe that we have to fight that saint image as much as we can because he really didn't deserve it, and I'm aware that he is often showed as such in the media, and it's a past that we are trying to slowly and painfully get over. So we appreciate your email, Juan. And uh, so this is what I have to say about that. And I'm actually going to just stop the music so that I can make myself very clear. Upon further review, the facts are that there is a small segment of the population in Colombia that considers Pablo Escobar a hero. He built schools, he built parks, he built hospitals and other facilities that benefited the community. And he employed a significant part of his community while also controlling the crime activity in that community. Now, those facts might be unpalatable to you, but facts are facts. However, if I somehow gave the impression that Pablo Escobar was a hero, let me be very, very clear. Pablo Escobar was a drug dealer and a murderer who primarily gave gifts to the community in order to buy their loyalty to fight against the police. Pablo Escobar was responsible for 250 bomb attacks. He ordered the murder of hundreds of policemen, politicians, journalists, judges, and attorneys. And before he died, Pablo Escobar negatively impacted the lives of untold thousands and perhaps even millions of people. So hero is an adjective that I did not use and could never use to describe Pablo Escobar. It should go without saying that drug dealers and murderers are bad people, and I would rather be talking about massive clouds of whale poop or 3,000-pound chicken statues right now, but I will say it anyway. Drug dealers and murderers, even if they contribute to the community, are bad people. And he was also not nice to animals. So, thank you for your email, Juan. I hope that answers your questions. And, uh, yeah, feel free. If you have any concerns about what we're saying on the show, please, please, please send us an email at varmintspodcast at gmail.com. And I hope I was clear about that. I was as clear as I possibly could be. Yeah. And, of course, the zoo that he made is, like, a, to relate it back to animals and the environment, which is what we like to talk about chiefly on this show. What he did in having that zoo was, um, I mean, eventually, with him dying and then the thing just being abandoned and everything, who knows what sort of invasive creatures are all in the environment now. They have no idea how damaging the hippos are going to be to the environment and... I mean, he's created a huge environmental problem as well. On top of all the damage he did to the human beings, he's also managed to screw up the environment as well. So, yeah, he's yeah, not a good guy. So Nope. Just a reminder, go to BlazingCaribouStudios.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at at varmintspodcast, all one word, and at varmintspodcast.gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. If you like this show, head on over to iTunes or Stitcher and give us a nice little rating and review. And also, we have a Pinterest board, which is really cool because it's not just pictures of the animals that we're talking about, but I also put in um, illustrations from artists who do pictures of the animal, um, jewelry sometimes, sculpture, all sorts of stuff that people do to celebrate the animals in our awesome big blue planet. So... Um, Go over there. The link to the Pinterest board is on the bottom of the show notes on every episode. All right, now let's go learn about donkeys and mules. 
the kingdom of animals is fascinating now i'm going to tell you about their behavior and living pattern so come on what in god's holy name are you blathering about we are blathering about donkeys today and mules the donkey is a domesticated member of the horse family Equidae. The donkey has been used as a working animal for about 5,000 years. Donkeys were first domesticated right around 3,000 BC, probably in Egypt or, or Mesopotamia, and they've spread all around the world. There are more than 40 million donkeys in the world, mostly in underdeveloped countries where they are used principally as draft animals or pack animals. Small numbers of donkeys are kept for breeding or as pets in developed countries. So depending on the breed, donkey sizes can vary greatly. Two and a half up to over five feet tall or 79 to 160 centimeters at the withers. And they can weigh anywhere from 180 pounds to over a thousand pounds. At one time, the synonym ass was the more common term for the donkey. But modern English speaking people have since abandoned that word. So kids, don't say that word. You're going to get in trouble. The first recorded use of donkey was in either 1784 or 1785. A male donkey is called a jack, a female is called a jenny or a jennet, and a young donkey is called a foal. Jack donkeys are often used to mate with female horses to produce mules. The biological reciprocal of a, of a mule from a male horse and a female donkey is called a hinny, which I always thought was like some sort of farmyard slang. I didn't know that was the actual name of the animal. I didn't. I thought it was like, yeah, we got an old hinny that pulls the cart for us kind of thing. No, and it, I've also seen them referred to as Johns and Mollies in our research. Oh, okay. Yeah. So mules also, they've been around for thousands and thousands of years. The mule is an example of hybrid vigor. That is when you take two animals and combine them into one animal that is actually has better qualities or characteristics than their parents. Charles Darwin had this to say about mules. The mule always appears to me a most surprising animal, that a hybrid should possess more reason, memory, obstinacy, social affection, powers of muscular endurance and length of life than either of its parents, seems to indicate that art has here outdone nature. So mules have been used for centuries as pack animals, working farm animals, and in armies even, to transport supplies and pull heavy guns. The etymology of the word donkey isn't really clear. We don't know where that word came from. Same thing with the etymology of the word mule. It's not super fascinating. It just comes from the Latin word mulus, which just means the offspring of a donkey and a horse, a mule. Right. And I always thought donkeys and mules made the same sound but they don't that's one thing i learned this week here's a donkey brain this is very familiar okay i thought mules made the same sound but they do not here's a mule <laughs> i just i did not know the difference between donkeys and mules before we started this episode, yeah, honest to God. Yeah, sound a lot more like horses. They got a little bit of that donkey bray in there, but yeah, they, sound a little, they look a lot more like horses as well. So. Yep. They look like huge horses with giant long ears, and I love them. <laughs> I've loved everyone I've ever met. They're the best of both worlds between donkey and horse. Yeah, they're fabulous. My uncle used to have some, and they were, and, uh, they were neat. So. 
I liked him. I like him. I'm a fan. Me too. I'm a fan of both the donkey and the mule. They're, they're both <laughs> awesome. So we already talked about um, how old these species are. They've been with us for a long, 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 long time. So we're going to talk about what the differences are genetically. So genetics are the foundation for the difference between donkeys and mules. Genetically speaking, donkeys have 62 chromosomes and can reproduce normally because they're like their own thing. They're their own species. Mules and hennies have 63 chromosomes, and that's because of the mismatch that they're usually sterile. Usually. Having only 63 chromosomes, mules cannot produce haploid cells. That's cells with half the number of chromosomes, which are required for sexual reproduction. So... No male mules have been known to produce offspring. However, there are a few rare cases documenting reproductively viable female mules, which is really interesting. So I've got a little clip, which is a lesson about how this works with hybrids, and uh, the video that I found about it did the lesson in such a clear, concise manner, we're just going to rip it off and and give it to you now <laughs> instead of... Um, doing if i did it i would just have to read you pretty much verbatim what they said so let's just listen to the lady in order to successfully reproduce animals need to create viable sex cells normal body cells have two copies of each chromosome one from the animal's mom and one from dad sort of like two full decks of cards and both decks can simply be duplicated and then split off to form a new cell but sex cells are different. They're produced by taking each set of chromosomes, duplicating them, and then swapping a bunch of cards between decks before breaking them up to form four cells, each with just one complete deck of cards. This card swap works when the decks in each set come from a mom and a dad of the same species, because they have all the same cards in the same order. So genes for eye color get swapped with other genes for eye color, and stripe pattern genes get swapped with stripe pattern genes, giving rise to perfectly healthy sex cells. But in the cells of hybrid animals, the decks aren't identical because they came from parents of different species. So an eye color card might get swapped for a paw size card, or a bone making gene for a kidney making gene producing two really weird decks that give rise to totally non-functional sex cells. However, for reasons we really don't understand, it is sometimes possible for a hybrid animal to skip over the card swapping step and sort of just get rid of the dad's chromosomes to create new sex cells that contain only the mom's DNA. We've actually only seen this happen in female mules. There are a handful of documented cases in which mules have made babies from eggs containing only their mother's DNA. Bizarrely, this means that each female mule's offspring was genetically also her half-sibling. So, while as far as we know, pigs never fly, every once in a great while, a mule falls. That is crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's wild and wacky stuff, for sure. <laughs> it actually happened here in Colorado in 2007, in the, the town of Colburn. So this is really cool. <laughs> there's a, okay. There's a ranch up there called the Grand Mesa Ranch, and they bought a mule that they didn't know was pregnant when they bought her, and she gave birth to a little boy, a little foal, a tiny little foal. Yeah. And so uh, they were so interested that they sent DNA samples off to the University of Kentucky and the University of California at Davis, and they confirmed that the mule 
the hinny, Kate, is indeed a mule, and that the still unnamed little baby at the time, I think he has a name now, so I'll have to go and look. I tried to look at the update and I wasn't able to find one. Um, that he's really her offspring. So that ruled out the factors that have explained away some of past births that they used to think were really mule babies and they're not, because most of the times the lady mules had stolen foals <laughs> and the, oh. that, or, the, or they weren't really mules themselves. They were donkeys or mulish looking horses. Um, but this one really is an offspring of a mule. So um, the ranch owner said that when he was little, he kind of looked a lot like a donkey, but they kind of all do when they're little like that. So, <laughs> um, so here's a question yeah. and I'll try to word it delicately. Mm. Mules are sterile, but they don't know that they're sterile. So do no. they still do the thing that you they do still when do you the want to make that you do. That's right. Okay. They That's do. what I needed to know. Yep. Yep. <laughs> as far as we know, they have regular, you know. All the things are in place for them to be able to have babies. It's just that the chromosomal problem makes it really unlikely. So Interesting. Um, yeah. They sent some of the DNA samples off to Dr. Oliver Ryder, who is the Associate Director of the Conservation and Research of Endangered Species Division at the San Diego Zoo, to ask him, you know, exactly what was going on here. And he said the answer to how Kate the mule could give birth could be surprising. So this was really unexpected and still unexplained. He said that the tests in the, in, uh, the older cases show that there was no evidence that the mother passed along any genetic markers from the father and that was in past cases the phenomenon is called hemiclonal transmission and which is basically means that the mare's genes have canceled out the male's genes as if they didn't even exist so basically the dna gets in there and the cells just go nah we don't need that nah we don't need that nah we don't need that okay Okay, here's a baby. And it's all <laughs> just from mom. But it is strange that this one would give birth to a male because most of the time when this sort of thing happens, it's invariably a female that the baby is, when the baby is born, it's a female. So, um, which would make sense. So basically nobody has any idea what's going on here. There's some weirdness going on. Um, this phenomenon has been observed in amphibians, but not in mammals until this but the doctor said no recombinations took place there was no reassortment and they looked at the markers on every chromosome so that was very weird <laughs> wow that is weird it does happen from time to time and when it does it's weird you know so <laughs> nature's awfully strange sometimes so one of the great things about donkeys and mules and one of the reasons they're preferred as work animals on a farm over a horse is that they don't eat as much so donkeys are adapted to very dry, arid regions, and they spend about half of their day browsing on grasses and scrubs with very poor nutritional quality. Now, horses graze, but like goats, donkeys browse. So they'll really go for some stuff that has very poor nutritional value. They'll go for tree bark or wood fences or, or just really, really poor stuff. Mm -hmm. They have the same basic digestive system as a horse, though, but it works way more efficiently, and they don't really know why. They don't know if it's because of their intestinal flora. They don't know if that food is just hanging out in the gut in the lower intestine for a longer amount of time so that the body can absorb more, more nutrients. They don't know why a donkey's guts work the way they do. But a donkey needs only half the food that a horse or pony of the same size and weight would need. 
Wow. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, they do have to keep on eating, though, because like a horse, their teeth are constantly growing. And so the silica and the scrubs and the grasses helps keep their teeth at the proper length. Right. Donkeys and mules that are kept in developed countries, and particularly donkeys, they have to be watched because they're prone to obesity. So that the good news is that farmers don't have to feed them as much. They can feed them about half as much as they do their horses. Mm-hmm. But the bad news is that farmers have to be careful about what they feed them and how much. But it's really cool. It's kind of like if somebody put a bigger engine in your car and all of a sudden you're getting 70 miles to the gallon. They're so cute. They are. They're neat animals. All right, it's disclaimer time. The Varmints Podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence, but then we only really have the yardstick of ourselves to go by, so we're going to do it anyway. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. So everything I read said that donkeys, and particularly mules, are as smart as a horse, possibly even smarter. And I think we gave the horse an eight mm-hmm. for intelligence. Yeah. So right around the eight, eight and a half yeah. marker is what I'm giving yeah. him. Me too. I, 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 everything I saw about mules was like mules are way too smart for their own good. They're really, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like they're so smart that it's a little bit troublesome sometimes to <laughs> take care of them because of their smarts. Because they're like, yep. I can figure you out. Forget it. I'm not doing the thing that you don't want me to do. <laughs> or that you want me to do. I'm not doing the thing you want me to do. Not happening. <laughs> like, what? No, no. I think that's why they get the reputation for being stubborn. Yeah, for sure. And I don't think they're stubborn. I think they're just like, Super no, smart. I don't really feel like doing that. No, yeah. I don't feel like crossing that pond. Not doing it. No, Forget I don't it. feel like carrying that heavy load today. You carry it. Yeah. <laughs> going to be over here eating some stuff. I'm not having anything to do with this whole, <laughs> this whole thing. So, My uncle used to have him uh, his, uh, as pack mules for his hunting trips. He had uh, pack animals. He would take a horse and a mule when he'd go out hunting. And uh, they were always just the best animals. But yeah, they're super smart. So. That's great. Are we giving them style points? Heck yeah. I mean, there are ten, right? Ten. That- yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, it'd be fun to find the animal that we don't think is super styling. We're like, <laughs> Amoeba, you suck. You only have one cell. You're totally boring. <laughs> uh, it'll happen. Yeah, it'll happen. It'll happen sometime. I don't know when, though, because we like them all. I don't know. Something wrong with us. All right, well, we're going to talk about donkeys and mules and pop culture and a couple other things, but we're going to do that right after this commercial. Hey, Nick, who would win in a fight between a dragon and a toaster? Oh, definitely a toaster. What? A toaster beating a dragon? Toasters can get really hot. Dragons breathe fire. Metal's immune to fire. Everybody knows that. Besides, if you put a toaster in a puddle of water, it'll shock you to death. Dude, dragons can fly. (laughs) I think he'll be fine. One bite, your toaster's done. Toasters are metal. We went over this. Extremely high defense, admittedly low attack. See, dragon's just the opposite. High attack, low defense. Let's take this to... The the Simulation simulation station. Station. To see how this and other battles end, head over to MyThingCanBeatYourThing.com. You can find us on Twitter at ThingBeatsThing and email us your ideas at MyThingCanBeatYourThing at gmail.com. Tune in every Monday for battles you'll have to hear to believe. And now for something completely different. 
hey, you know, me and Donna, we're just a couple of nerds like you, and we don't see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk a little bit about where we see them most of the time on movies, TV, and video games. And my pick this week is Eeyore. He is a character in the Winnie the Pooh books by A.A. Milne. He's generally characterized as a pessimistic, gloomy, depressed, old, gray, stuffed donkey who is a friend of the title character. Here's a a little sound clip I picked up. This is like uh, Eeyore's greatest hits. Good morning, Pooh Bear. If it is a good morning, which I doubt. However, did I get your tail back on properly, Eeyore? No matter. Most likely lose it again anyway. Poor dear. You know... I may have just the thing. Up, up, up you go. <laughs> there you are. It's an awful nice tail, Kanka. Much nicer than the rest of me. It's not much of a tail, but I'm sort of attached to it. Not much of a house. Just right for not much of a donkey. Might take a day or two, but I'll find a new one. End of the road. Nothing to do. <laughs> and no hope of things getting better. Sounds like Saturday night at my house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Eeyore. Every time he talks, I should hear this. <laughs> In the illustrations in the original books, he appears to be about chin high to Winnie the Pooh and about hip high to Christopher Robin, so rather a small donkey. Mm -hmm. He has a long detachable tail with a pink bow on the end, of which he's very fond, but he also loses it quite a bit. In one instance, Owl mistakes it for a bell pull, and so Christopher Robin is able to reattach the tail with a drawing pin. He would. Owl's kind of posh, so... He eats thistles, and he lives in the southeast corner of the Hundred Acre Wood in an area labeled Eeyore's Gloomy Place, Rather Buggy and Sad. Mm. And every time Eeyore's birthday comes around, he's given an empty honey jar from Pooh for keeping things in, a popped red balloon from Piglet to keep in the pot, and a note from Owl. There is a document that I've referenced before on this podcast called Pathology in the Hundred Acre Wood, a Neurodevelopmental Perspective on A.A. Milne. (laughs) <laughs> where the person who wrote it just go ahead, goes ahead and diagnoses every single character in the Winnie the Pooh books. Yeah. And he says about Eeyore, Eeyore would benefit greatly from an antidepressant, perhaps combined with individual therapy, maybe with a little fluoxetine. Eeyore might see the humor in the whole tail-losing episode. Even if a patch of St. John's wort grew near his thistles, the forest would ring with a braying laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I love the um, the abstract for this paper, which we'll put a link to in the show notes. It says, Somewhere at the top of the Hundred Acre Wood, a little boy in his bear play. On the surface, it is an innocent world. But on closer examination by our group of experts, we find a forest where neurodevelopmental and psychosocial problems go unrecognized and untreated. <laughs> it's great. Ah, I'll have to read that. Yeah. Yeah. I never had much, I have to say, sympathy for Eeyore because I'm like, you're a stuffed donkey in a beautiful fantasy woods. <laughs> Get over yourself. Like, really? As my what, wife would how say. How could your day be bad? I mean, if he has clinical <laughs> depression, that's one thing, but yeah, you know. 
Then you can't help it, and I totally get it. I completely understand. But, um, you know, when I was a kid reading books, nobody ever said stuff like that. And I was just like, he is too depressed all the time, and I like Piglet because Piglet's like, (laughs) I love Piglet. He might be my favorite. My favorite. Yep. Yeah. And I love all the modern memes that have Piglet cursing and saying, let's burn stuff down and stuff. (laughs) Really appropriate. I love him. Uh, so for pop culture this week, I decided to choose something that Paul doesn't like. <laughs> uh, I tried, Donna. I really, really tried. I tried. But everybody else in the world does. So I let's know. Play it. Jimmy the Harper with a hard little pistol and a lariat. She going to the bottom and she going down the drain. She said she wasn't big enough to carry it. She got to get behind the mule, yeah. In the morning and plow, yeah. Got to get behind the mule. In the morning and plow. You got to get behind the mule. snapping my fingers and tapping my little feet. (laughs) This might be the first week where we did not like each other's pop culture picks. (laughs) (laughs) This is, uh, that song is from the album Mule Variations, which made Rolling Stone's list of top 500 albums ever made at position 416, and I cannot disagree. One of the best listens from Stem to Stern, just the best album. Love it so much. Um, Tom Waits is an acquired taste, and if you don't like him, you won't like it. But if you do, you will love it, because it is the (laughs) best. Kurt, I turned Kurt on to Tom Waits recently. He's really starting to really love him. We've been doing things like, this song is common when we're doing household chores. Like, meet me down in the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) And he liked it? It took? Yeah, loves it. Wow, good for him. Yeah. That's great. We're gonna I'm happy load for him. The dishwasher. Yeah. <laughs> Got behind the mule. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. His favorite is uh the one that Cookie Monster did the they put the Cookie Monster video to it. <laughs> Which I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, <laughs> love Tom Waits. I like to eat. Oh, I like to eat too. Um, I would 
probably eat donkey or mule. Like, why not? I said I would eat horses, so that's they're pretty close. And I think they do eat donkey in, I'm going to say, parts of Europe and definitely China. So I would try it. No. No? Mm-mm. Why not? Not in the food box. Just not in the food box? No. I couldn't remember. Would you eat horses or no? No. Would you eat horses? No. We don't eat horses. <laughs> okay. It <laughs> doesn't have to make sense. It's just how it is. <laughs> <laughs> Donna, is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Yes. Oh, good. Let's help everybody win that next trivia night or just sound smarter than the rest of the room with the animal fact of the week. Is this your homework, Larry? Look, man. Dude, it... please. Dude. Dude. Uh, approximately 33 colleges still maintain live animals as mascots, and the Army has a football team, and they use live mules as their mascots. They've done it since 1899 when an officer decided that they needed a mascot to counter the Navy goat, because the Mm. Navy also uses live animals as their mascot. Right. So mules were used by the army to haul gear, so it seemed like an obvious choice. So they chose a mule called Mr. Jackson, and he was a pack mule that used to pull an ice wagon. And he came from Fort Royal, Virginia, and he was the mascot for the football team for 12 years, and they still use mules today. Today, there are three mules that are maintained as mascots. They are Ranger 3, Striker, and Paladin. So, some of the other army mules of note were Poncho. He came from Ecuador. There was one called Casey Mo, who had a reputation for being really hard to ride, and he would frequently throw riders off, so he was retired fairly early. Buckshot was, and still is, the first and only female army mule. She was presented as a gift to the Army by the Air Force, and in return, the Army gave the Air Force a ceremonial sword. So it was a little gift exchange. There was one called Trooper, who was also known as Ernie. He was a highly trained saddle-type mule who appeared and competed in many livestock shows and rodeos. And he loved donuts. And he also got the other... (laughs) And he also got the other mules to have a taste for donuts, too. Uh, The Army Mule mascots, they're trained by cadet mule riders who are part of the spirit support activity of the U.S. Corps of Cadets. One mule rider is selected from the fourth class each spring based on expert horsemanship, spirit, and leadership. The mule rider progresses through the class system until he or she is promoted to cadet in charge of mule riders during the cadet's first class year. Usually there are three mule riders, one from each of the upper classes. The Army Mule mascots and the cadet mule riders participate in a variety of parades, athletic events, and formal military ceremonies throughout the fall and the spring. So not just for football games, they they take the mules everywhere, show them off, let people hang out with them and take pictures with them and all kinds of stuff. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So how many breeds of donkey do you think there are? That's a good question. I'm going to say, okay, I know there's miniature donkeys. I know there's a few different kinds of donkeys. Just donkeys, right? Not mules? Yeah, not do- not mules, because mules uh, are I'm going to say... Dependent sh- on the donkey, right? So. 25 different breeds of donkeys. It is way more, and I wasn't actually able to find <laughs> a definitive number. But if you look at the YouTube, or the, uh, if you look at the Wikipedia page that I just, that I put in the show notes of... Okay. Yeah. Bring that up. Pull that up. Got it. Oh, look at them. Look at how many. How many wow. do you think that is? That's got to be at least uh, 
25 or 30, like I said. No, it's more than that. <laughs> it's more like a, it's probably, more I'm going like to say 70 or 80. Hundred, I think it looks like. Or maybe a couple hundred. Yeah. If you Look go at all, all the way them. down to the bottom of the page, it's like, I don't know how many rows there are in this table, but it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Holy moly. Yeah. So I thought we'd just flip through the pictures. I'm going to put the link in the show notes for everybody to see. But just sure. if you could just flick through and look at all the different donkeys. Look how cute they are. There's so many different colors. There's like black ones, there's brown ones, there's ones with white faces, little white noses. Yeah, there's... a lot of them look like the standard cartoon donkey with the brown body and the and the white underbelly and the white nose, but a lot of them are really like different. Yeah, like the 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 one that was in Tuscany, Italy. Romagn- Romagnola, Jenny. Look at her in Italy. That is a big donkey. Wow. Solid, really heavy too. Yeah. Holy cow! I didn't know there was this many donkeys and the little miniature donkeys. Holy cow! Who would not want to have a little Look at miniature those donkey? Tiny little things are so. I cute. would not eat a miniature donkey. <laughs> but there's a there's one that is a a wild one in Central Australia, which I bet is a gone wild animal. So there's <laughs> donkeys a, gone the one, wild. There's one that I I don't know where it is because it's in a different language, but it's a white donkey, all completely white donkey. Tier Garten Clev, I think is how you pronounce it. it. Looks like it might be Norwegian or Swedish or some related Scandinavian huh. language. Uh, there's an Azerbaijani donkey that's like white with like pink brownish looking undercoat. Look at the curly hair one. Oh, uh, which one is that? It's the Baudet du Poitou uh, something. That's easy for you to say. Did you say? I have no idea, dude. He's got, he's <laughs> like dreadlocks, donkey. Oh, I saw that one. Yes. <laughs> yes. So cute. But they're wow. really fantastic, and you just who uh, knew there was this many kind of donkeys? Well, I know. Probably donkey experts, so but many, so yeah. many, so many donkeys, and they're so cute. And they're all they have pictures of them like carrying loads and just sort of hanging around and. Carrying stuff and people riding on them, and there's one carrying lumber. Yep. <laughs> oh, wow. That's really neat. There's one with a mama with the baby donkey just laying on the ground looking like, yep. gotcha. <laughs> but they're all so cute. And of course, there's one of the miniature donkey, which are freaking adorable. So, <laughs> yeah. I encourage you go to the show notes, find the link. And go look at all these donkeys because they are so cute. You will go down a major donkey rabbit hole. You will. You will spend the day in the donkey rabbit hole for sure. (laughs) Donkeys and mules. I finally know the difference. (laughs) They're awesome. They are awesome. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. The Varmints Podcast has been brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo and music by Kevin McLeod and by you, the Patreon supporter. Thank you so much for continuing to give Blazing Caribou Studios a few bucks every month to make sure that we can keep on bringing you the Varmints podcast. We really do appreciate it. The part of Charles Darwin this week was played by Adam of Everyone Has a Podcast, so thank you so much, Adam, for doing that. 
And this week on the Rugrat Corner, Layla has something to say about donkeys and mules. Hi, Varmint. I've got some facts about donkeys and mules. Yay! Donkeys. Donkeys are very strong and can carry a grown man. Donkeys can hear well. Why can they hear so well, do you think? Because they've got big ears. Bigger than a horse? Yeah. Um... Uh, do you think they live as long as horses or longer? Longer. Longer. How long do donkeys live? Donkeys can live for over 40 years. Wow. Uh, do, do we have a lot of donkeys in this country? No. We do have quite a lot. Not as many as some countries. China has the most donkeys. Okay. Boy donkeys are called um, jacks. And girl donkeys are called Jennies. <laughs> okay, and do you know any famous donkeys? No. no. Do you know any songs about donkeys? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> are you going to sing it for us? Please. No. no. Okay. <laughs> uh, crashing on. What about mules? What do we know about mules? Mule has a donkey for a dad and a horse for a mum. Mules usually can't have babies. So they can't have babies themselves. Do you know what it's called if the dad is a horse and the mum is a donkey? I think it's called a hinny. We'll have to check. Anything else? A mule can be ridden and jumped like a horse. Would you like to ride one? No. No? <laughs> do, you, do you know of any famous mules? Yeah. Yeah. Buckeye. Who's Buckeye? Buckeye is a famous mule in America who does dressage. Fantastic. <laughs> um, and I know Paul and Donna like to ask this question. Uh-oh. Would you like to eat a donkey or a mule? <laughs> no. No. Definitely not. We're vegetarian in this house, aren't we? Yeah, I agree. Anything else you've got to say? No. Okay, say bye to Paul and Donna then. Bye, Paul and Donna. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thank you, Layla. Thank you, Layla, and thank you to her mom, Vanessa, for for doing that. That was we really appreciate that. Brilliant. Love that. (laughs) Thanks everybody again for listening, and until next time. Hey guys, be nice to animals. Now I need to go look up Buckeye, the famous mule who does dressage. I didn't know about that. And don't be a jackass. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios. I don't know what I was going to go say, but I'll edit it out. (laughs) I'm a mess today. All right.